0: Oh, hello and welcome to the show. So today we have, uh, as of today at least, we have both officially seen The Batman. That is the biggest movie in uh, theaters right now and it is only in theaters. It is not uh, on HBO Max or any other streaming service day one. I think uh, we are now starting to move away from that. But everyone is talking about this movie online, in person, and it's getting a lot of people to the theater. In fact, so, it's me. Made- so we are too. Yeah, it's made $258.2 million within its first opening weekend. I saw it on Thursday night at 5 o'clock p.m. with a couple of my friends. And uh, when did you see it? I saw it on Sunday
1: afternoon with a friend and your mom.
0: Great. Yeah. So obviously this is in the news and people have been really excited to see Robert Pattinson's turn as Batman and Zoe Kravitz's turn as Catwoman and just how the movie would turn out. Because um, this one had a pretty, pretty high pedigree, I guess you could say. Very good cast. Colin Farrell uh, plays the Penguin. Paul Dano plays the, um, the Riddler. Riddler, Riddler. Yes, and Matt Reeves, who's known for directing uh, the Planet of the Apes, uh, two of the Planet of the Apes movies, and I believe a couple other uh, pretty solid films, he helmed this film as well, and he had a lot of creative uh, control over it, unlike um, quite a few other big blockbusters. Um, So I will start out by saying this movie was made for $185 million, so quite a big budget plus marketing, uh, so that brings the total even higher. but. It's a Batman movie. Um, The Dark Knight grossed a billion dollars and I believe was one of the first, if not the first, superhero film to do that back in 2008. But most people are wondering is this as good or even better than the Christopher Nolan films? So we are going to start with our high level thoughts. No spoilers, just in case um, you don't want to have any of the details revealed to you uh, right now. But if you're listening to this podcast and you haven't seen the movie, what are you doing? Uh, Go see it when you can because I will say, I think it's worth watching if you're a comic book fan or a fan of superhero movies in general. But I do have more to say about it. I want to know what you thought of the movie because (laughs) it is 176 minutes, uh, which is a very, very hefty and quite indulgent runtime, I would say. But that aside, uh, we have not spoken to each other about our own opinions on it.
1: So this is what we're going to find out. And I want to know what you thought. And Noah thinks he knows how I feel about this film. And I'm pretty sure I think I know how he feels about this film. I do want to make it known that I have not shared this with anyone. I felt like it had to be fresh for the pod. Um, So I didn't talk to your mom about it. I didn't talk to my friend Chris, uh, who uh, I sat in between them. And at the end, your mom said, so what'd you think? And I said, "Uh uh-uh, not talking about it. Uh, I asked Luke if he had seen it. He went to see it last night at 9 o'clock. And he said, what'd you think? And I said, not talking about it. Mm -hmm. And uh, so... Here, First of all, I want, I want you to know that I think this must be the seventh Batman movie made during my lifetime, at least that I can remember.
0: There's so, Batman and- Forever, there's the Joel Schumacher films, the Tim Burton, so you're probably right, probably the sixth or seventh one, um, and then the TV series was made just before your time, right, with Adam West?
1: yeah before my time i think it was in the early to mid 60s
0: i think you've been around for almost if not all of the live action batman movies
1: i have yes i remember the michael keaton film the the early one so mm-hmm. uh yeah okay here we go mm-hmm. um here is my my thirty thousand foot review okay the parts of this film are superior to the sum of this film
0: Fair enough. Um, I would say I'm in a similar boat. I would not have given it a nine or so or something like a four, by the way, um, very polarizing. Two of my friends actually gave those scores respectively in terms of what they thought of it.
1: Um, A A four and a nine?
0: Yes. So I feel like there's been mostly positive reactions to this movie, but there has been a lot of polarization in terms of how much you enjoyed it. Um, I would say I'm sort of firmly in between because like you said, there are parts of this film that are quite good, but there are a lot of parts of this film that are either frustrating, a little bit baffling that they kind of existed in the first place, or just kind of indulge themselves a little bit too much within the first movie. That said, I thought there were a lot of excellent newfound concepts that have not been seen in Batman in a long time, or we've not seen at all on the big screen that worked really, really well for this film. But there's definitely some drawbacks to it. I don't think it's a masterpiece. I think it's a good step forward. And I think DC obviously has another pretty assuredly uh, quality-based hit on their hands. But I'm ready to see more and how it develops in the second movie, because I think this will be a trilogy and there's going to be two spin spin-off shows. One is going to be about Gotham PD. And then another one's going to be about, I can't remember. I'll have to figure that out.
1: And that does not surprise me because we heard a lot about GCPD, Gotham city police department, right? right. Yes.
0: They're really betting the house on uh, this movie, but I mean, it's Batman. He was arguably the first uh, ultra popular superhero aside of Superman. So, um, you yeah. Yeah, early 30s stuff but it's um, definitely
1: a take on batman that we have not seen before and for that reason i thought there were several uh there there was considerable merit to some things about this film mm-hmm. um i don't know how you know if you want to segue into sort of breaking it down a little bit and, and want to talk about what you liked what you didn't like about it kind of thing mm-hmm. um before we get to spoilers but for me it was um it, it, I found it to be a challenging and sometimes very frustrating watch. Mm-hmm. But again, I think this is a quality film. You, used, you said this is not a masterpiece. Yeah, I would, I would be careful about using that term as well. But I would say this is a very high quality film, high concept, fresh take on Batman. Mm-hmm. But um, you know what I'm going to say here turn on the lights this is the darkest <laughs> film I have seen <laughs> well and it's I knew funny. it would be I've seen you know I saw many of the trailers and mm-hmm. I think I said this in our trailer um, episode but every trailer I saw I like I made, I like the movie less and and so and I did know that it was going to be a really dark film but mm-hmm. this is a you know there's a whole lot of noir to this um, and that's what makes it interesting but it's also frustrating
0: Right, and that might not entirely be the film's fault. I, the director actually sent out uh, reels of the film, you know, where they have the projector and they play the movie, of course, to be played in a very specific aspect ratio, I believe. there was. Um, he wanted it to be tuned to a specific setting so that they could get the most color and most, um, I guess, the best feel for how he intended it to be seen. And I would imagine that a lot of movie theaters either would have thrown that note away or probably just played it in whatever way uh, was easiest. But that aside, I do agree. The film was, I, I I absolutely concur with what you said. There was a lot of great aspects of this film. The cast was excellent. It was really, really good new choices of Robert Pattinson. He is Edward Cullen, no longer from the Twilight series. He's really solidified himself as uh, quite a formidable and um, really just talented guy as an actor. I thought Zoe Kravitz was an excellent casting choice for Catwoman. And I think uh, some of the TV shows I've seen her in and other media I've seen her in have been quite good. So she's really up and coming. And um, Colin Farrell was unrecognizable as Penguin that should win uh, an Oscar for makeup alone. I thought Paul Dano was an interesting choice as the Riddler. I liked that they used him as um, you know, uh, the main villain. So A lot of it was very, very good. And I thought I really appreciated the overall uh, theme of redemption, sort of, or bringing hope rather than vengeance, not being a wrathful sort of Dark Knight Avenger, but rather being a beacon of light for people to understand that they shouldn't not do bad things out of fear, but rather because there's better hope for Gotham or, you know, there's, you, you should be, more optimistic about things, right? Because I think what he was preying on was people's fear, and that doesn't change people's minds about something, but rather he wanted to be seen as something of a beacon of light, because he is still very much a vigilante in this, and the police don't trust him. Jim Gordon and him have a rocky but pretty good relationship as they build throughout the film, and I like that he sort of realizes this, and that's sort of our jumping off point into the next uh, movie. It's very early Batman. I enjoyed the detective work that they added in it too, the ciphers and riddles. That was super cool. So, you know, even the action scenes were uh, done pretty well as well. So I want to say that there's a lot of great parts about this film, but we should
1: dive more into what we should, more of our critiques, I would say. Well, let me just add that um, there's a lot of what you just said that I agree with. And this is really interesting because we, 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 we often, off the pod, tend to disagree more about films than the ones we talk about on the pod, which is, which is interesting to me. I, I thought the relationship between Jim Gordon and Batman was the highlight of the film. The second highlight, I would say, is Zoe Kravitz as Catwoman. Mm-hmm. Because, first of all, she's not wearing a cat mask. She is not purring. She's not meowing. She's not doing anything that it's campy and, and, and almost silly. Or at least Michelle, Pfeiffer,
0: Michelle yes. Pfeiffer was the old one. And then actually, I think they had Halle Berry as Catwoman in a disaster in 2003 movies. Yes. Yeah.
1: Yes. Yeah. Which I never saw. But what I liked about it, there's an authenticity in this film. I mean, first of all, Gotham City is the most grim place you could ever want to be. Um,
0: but, rent is incredibly low i'm sure it, so, uh, <laughs> that's an it has
1: to be but um I, I thought that uh the relationships and the this is going to sound ridiculous there were some subtleties in this film mm-hmm. that i appreciated uh and and in particular it was the uh cat woman in, in general i think was was sort of a you know she's our own vigilante kind of person and and out to sc- uh, to even the score but again she develops this relationship which is at once uh contentious and romantic mm-hmm. with bat with the batman and um totally believable from uh I'm watching this superhero film yeah that's actually their
0: that's actually their dynamic throughout most of uh the comics and other media it's of course a game of no pun intended sort of cat and mouse of course they have fundamentally different beliefs on justice and what should be done but they can't help that they're romantically intertwined or very much attracted to each other. So I think that's, you know, where the interesting part comes from. And I think that actually played really, really well on screen. And people are divided on their chemistry, but I thought it was perfectly good, despite no. Robert Pattinson essentially being a brick wall for the entirety of this film. But, for the entirety uh, of this
1: film, too. I, the other thing, too, just for the Gen Zers, I know the Gen Xers out there, is, you know, to watch Zoe Kravitz in this film and to realize that, She was born while Lisa Bonet, her mother, was playing uh, in the Cosby show Mm -hmm. is sort of mind blowing because it's a whole generation past. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, obviously, you didn't exist either back then, but it's just sort of a it's just fascinating to watch this. I thought she was really strong in the film. Um, really star making role, I think for her. Yeah, I've seen her in other things, but it's really kind of a star making role and to see her really um, kind of become a screen presence, especially Mm -hmm. when you know, I remember when she was born. So um, yeah, Yeah, I I think obviously our our listeners probably know the daughter of Lisa Bonet and Lenny Kravitz.
0: Yeah, I I think people would definitely uh, notice from Lenny Kravitz, the rock star, uh, with his hits and, you know, his notoriety of course, and Lisa Bonet is also quite famous herself, but I digress. Um, I do want to sort of break the film down more. So, uh, do you want to give your scores, uh, right now, um, just to sort of finish that off and then go into deeper spoilers, or do you want to wait until the end? I
1: want to wait until the end to give our, our Z's.
0: All right. Fair enough. I think that we have okay. both agreed that this film was, uh, Very thoughtfully crafted, and a lot of things were good, but it was frustrating, and there were parts that probably uh, were needlessly
1: put up on screen and things
0: that could have been better overall,
1: right? Okay, let me say this, and you can react to this. I thought the first hour was a complete and utter bore. I was so bored. Entirely disagree. Entirely disagree. I figured you would. I thought So your mom turns to me, and she says, do you want popcorn? And I said no, and then as soon as she brought it back, I ate most of it because I was afraid I was going to fall asleep. And by the way, she fell asleep.
0: (laughs) That's funny. Um, So let's go into spoiler territory. So you have been warned. um, Go ahead and watch the movie and then come back uh, if you have not seen it. But um, I do want to dive a little bit more into uh, what you were just saying. I thought the first hour, particularly the first 40 minutes, were the strongest aspect of the entire film. I thought it set up Batman really well because that was when you really got to see where he was and where we're setting the tone here. Um, You know that he is not much of a Bruce Wayne, right? He's more of a caped vigilante. It's been two years since he started this whole Batman persona. And you kind of have an idea of, you know, what happened to his parents and also that this is going to be a more detective-oriented film. It establishes his relationship with Commissioner Gordon. His actor is very, very good. He was in The Hunger Games as well. I, I really really Um, So I thought that it did a great job setting it up. And of course, there's a the cheesy dialogue. It's, you know, they don't know I'm in the shadows or I'm waiting for them in the shadows. But I thought it was such a cool way to sort of set up this early, young, very gruff, gritty, noir Batman by him going up to that group of thugs and then just beating the tar out of that one guy. I mean, you know, he could have stopped with a few punches, but I mean, he just beat him into the ground. And then he was fighting all of those guys that were coming at him. And I really love that they showed early on, this man is not invincible. This guy was blasted with a shotgun. I mean, he was getting punched. He would, you know, flinch. He would get beaten up by a bunch of guys. Like he is not invincible.
1: And I really- This is a more human Batman no question that was your mom's big takeaway
0: yes and i a lot of people have been throwing around the word grounded for this film it's probably what they're aiming for was more grounding and batman if such a thing is possible per se but um i i really appreciate how they set the tone because gotham is just this cesspool of you know underground crime and you know the mafia and just you know that it's just every cop is
1: crooked except for commissioner gordon
0: Absolutely. So, you know, you see early on how this is going to go and I thought the setup was really excellent. So, you know, it frustrated me where I thought the pacing uh, issues that kind of I think plagued the third act kind of made the film kind of go here and there for me I, after the first 3540 minutes I was like, yes, this is good. I think I'm really, really gonna, you know, give this film pretty high marks. And then afterwards, that's sort of where it lost me a little bit, but I was always engaged. I mean, it didn't feel like four hours per se. Um, but I want to know what, I, I want to know what you have to say.
1: Yeah. I, um, uh, I, I became more interested in it when the uh, car, when they were at the service, the, the memorial service. Right. And, and the Riddler sent the car, you know, in, and, and he saved the kid because, you know, he felt, he sort of felt a connection to him because mm-hmm. he had lost his father as well. That's when I thought it really started to pick up. It's interesting you say that about the pacing, because did you find that the pacing in the third act was um, accelerated, was almost too much almost um, compensating for the sluggish start?
0: Um, I would actually say the pacing for the third act was faster than the second act for sure. But I think, and this was necessary, so it's kind of hard to criticize it, but The film just became a lot less interesting after Riddler was captured. And it was a little bit underwhelming that he allowed himself to be captured. And then they did this whole fake out thing where you'd think that the Riddler knew Batman's identity. And I thought that was a little bit cheap, to be honest. Um, And then I thought Paul Dano did a really good job of portraying like an actual psycho. uh, Somebody or uh, somebody, and I think I think some of the moans that like he did that were a little bit over the top. Didn't, didn't his performance like seem a little bit silly sometimes, despite how good some of his moments were.
1: Yeah. I bought most of it because I, I, what I like about this is um, they're not caricatures. Mm. The, the the villains are not caricatures of, you know, we don't, we, when we think of the penguin, we think, I think of Danny DeVito. Mm. When we think of the Riddler, I guess maybe we think of Jim Carrey. Um, There's a there's a type. Right. And this is so not that. And that is, I think, incredibly valuable and adds to what this film, what distinguishes this film from any other Batman film and frankly, any other uh, superhero film. There's a reality. There's a there's a groundedness in this film that makes it more intriguing because it's not. A caricature or not a parody but it's 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 not a a, it doesn't feel like a comic book uh story sure sure and
0: i I mean what i appreciate about uh the most about this film is you can tell there was a lot of care put into it right you can tell small details you know you can i've read articles after the movie you know saying they were making sure this happened or like you might have not noticed this subtle detail that Matt Reeves fought to have. And I thought that was cool. And Paul Dano even um, he insisted on wearing that cling wrap sort of suit. Um, and I thought that was a good take on the Riddler. But something interesting about the Riddler is that it's this movie like kind of juxtaposes or it's a it contrasts what we know of the Riddler. Like Jim Carrey, he's all crazy, right? You know, he's silly. He's over the top. But, and, you know, he's a genius, he's narcissistic, but so is this Riddler, but he exhibits more traits of borderline uh, personality disorder, or antisocial personality disorder, meaning he's a sociopath, he's a narcissist and the other uh, media. And he also exhibits traits of uh, Asperger's, which I think is why he was seemingly, um, he was acting in a way that you might not expect, you know, he was doing those, he he was turning around and kind of like screaming at himself. Yeah. And he was yeah. really, it seemed like he was quick to impulsive action of being upset. So I thought that was interesting how they portrayed him in that way. And at first I thought it was Paul Dano being a little bit over the top, but I think he did a pretty good job. And it shows in a modern context how people can get radicalized online, even a small group of people. Because remember in that video, when he was saying, thanks for all the likes and the followers and stuff like that. And it was like 47 comments and he had 500. It, it just goes to show how a fringe group of people espousing the wrong things and an echo chamber of, um, you know, just, you know, I guess, anti establishment sort of uh, sentiments can sometimes mm-hmm. lean the wrong way, even though they're thinking it's the right way to go about things. So I thought that was cool how they added sort of how that can happen today online on the internet with those. I thought it was brilliant.
1: I thought that's what brought this film. Again, it's 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 a film that is, frankly, more realistic, terrifyingly so, than a typical superhero film. I thought the use of social media and the on, the just basically the online presence was frankly disturbing mm-hmm. and uh, reflective of society, which is your point. So, you know, there's a lot of, again, there are a lot of parts to this film that are yeah. so good, it just, they don't all come together for a so good film.
0: Right. And let's talk a little bit more about that, because I think we've sort of been praising this film up and down uh, for the most part. But I think we should get to some of our frustrations. Um, I think, first of all, this felt really out of place was the Joker or Two-Face cameo um, that happened near the end. So, you know, when Riddler is talking to the other inmate in Arkham and you can partially see their face and then he does the crazy laugh. I just didn't feel like that needed to be shoved in there for how subtle and slow going the film was and intentionally setting things up. That felt like, oh, well, you know, we need to give people a little taste of more in the franchise or whatever. It felt um, kind of at odds with the tone uh, or I guess what the film was trying to do in other circumstances. Um, I also felt that, I also felt like the ending was a little bit weird. Um, Obviously Zoe Kravitz and Robert Pattinson met back up again and then they kind of go their separate ways on bicycles, but I felt like they could have maybe added an extra scene to just finish it off with a little bit more, I want to say totality a little bit. Um, Cause we all know that cliche driving away from each other at the end of a movie. And it's like, you look back and they disappear, it, you know, it's like whatever. So I thought that was a little bit underwhelming. Um, I also would have preferred that Batman and Bruce Wayne are two distinctly separate identities. I thought the Nolan films did that really well. Um, Christian Bale was an excellent Bruce Wayne. He looked the part, you know, he would buy out a restaurant or something like that, you know, just to take control over something. He was the billionaire philanthropist playboy. And I thought that really separated the identities well enough between the two. So it seems like Robert Pattinson's Batman I mean, you see that guy on the street. I mean, he's a billionaire, so you wouldn't often do that, but you're like, that guy's Batman. He barely talks any different. And he, like, you know, he looks all brooding and dark and he's just crouched over and stuff. You're like, that guy's so Batman. Like, how can he not be? I feel like he didn't separate his identities enough. And while I don't need Bruce Wayne going around partying and doing all that kind of matter of things, he's a billionaire. But Alfred even mentions, uh, played by Andy Serkis, by the way, um, Alfred even mentions, you're not really doing anything for your company. you know. We've got the accountants coming in. I feel like there should be more of a power balance or struggle between his real life that he has because he's a recluse, right? They make him a recluse in this. For some reason, I just feel like that doesn't work as like a billionaire, right? You cannot go out in public that often, but I feel like you need to keep up your image in order to separate your vigilante identity. That might be part of him being new to the whole Batman thing, but- that was a little bit off for me i felt like it showed none of him as bruce
1: wayne i get what you're saying but i bought into it because i felt like it felt more um i felt like it felt more uh authentic once again this is 90% batman and 10% bruce wayne we do need yes, to talk about yes. alfred because i'm not sure there's ever been a better alfred but we'll get to that in just a second um but I thought the ending, where they drove off separately in different, um, you know, different motorcycles, was great. I actually mm-hmm. really liked that. And uh, what was the other point you made? Oh, the the uh, the inclusion of who might be Joker or Two Face or whatever. Mm-hmm. I could not have liked that less. In fact, I'll just say it. I hated it. It just um, didn't. It just I, didn't belong. I, I and I have zero interest in seeing the second one. By the way. Um, because I've seen, how many Jokers have I seen? If you're going to bring back a Joker, make it Joaquin Phoenix, because I love that film. I don't want another Joker. You've seen Jack Nicholson. You've seen
0: uh, Jared Leto. You've seen Heath Ledger. And was there any other Joker uh, in that?
1: Joaquin Phoenix. In my opinion, there's only one.
0: Yeah, but, I mean, you have to know. The Joker is a staple of the Batman there franchise, go. so they're going to put him in there. And it doesn't, I feel like they could have done it better, but you're going to see oh, him. It first. was
1: bad. It was just bad.
0: Yeah, yeah, that 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 just wasn't for me. I also felt like the third act was a bit underwhelming Um, when he was fighting those people on the rooftop. I thought there'd be a little bit more to that, and then um, he sort of cut the electrical wire down and then saved some people who
1: didn't seem incredibly trapped, to be honest. It was it was it, it was nonsensical. It, yeah, I was no, like, no. "What is going on here?" He almost didn't do anything, and they just sort of walked behind him. That was bad. But I would say to you, plus I also thought the whole all the water and flooding of Gotham came out of nowhere. All of a well, sudden, you I know what Riddler did. He had set up some explosions and and, and all that, and so like seven vehicles or whatever. I guess broke the levees or and, and all of a sudden gotham is flooding. I thought that whole sequence was great. I had a feeling that you or most people would not like it. And I actually liked it when he was up above and he was fighting all of them. But what in the world? He was down and out after saving Catwoman. Down and out. And then all of a sudden. <laughs> he okay, comes I, have back I have to explain this. I have to explain this to Please you. Explain this to me.
0: Okay. So he injected himself with this green serum, right? oh did he yeah how do i know it was
1: green everything is so dark everything is gray in this film
0: (laughs) well that green would stand out among uh the other darker colors but anyway so he gets blasted with a shotgun right he's basically just completely out and so he stabs himself uh with uh, or he jabs himself with uh this green serum that's actually uh called venom um which is used by another one of batman's biggest villains bane uh so bane in the comics it has a bunch of tubes attached to his back going yeah, to yeah, i think that. his brain and it has a bunch of that's what makes him so strong and so huge so this is like basically a temporary shot of steroids to just like kickstart Starchy back again um that was definitely more for people who know the comics more intimately but at the same time it, it did seem like a kind of MacGuffin. it seemed convenient right it's like oh he has actually the serum that he could have used at any other point in the movie when he was getting the crap beaten out of him. But, you know, that's beside the point. Um, I honestly I,
1: thought the payoff of the film was was pretty doggone good. I thought that,
0: yeah, I thought the payoff was excellent and that's what I appreciated. Oh, good. But, but the problem was what was happening during the payoff seemed a little bit, it like took me out of it because he's he has this monologue, right? You know, I cannot be vengeance anymore. i realized that, you know, I need to be hope. I need to be not a savior to these people, but something to look towards them. And what was happening on screen in the beginning when he was just sort of like leading them, that was cool, but just the way it, w- it went about it. And I really liked the part where that woman was on a stretcher and she put her arm on, on him. And then he held on to it for a second, just so that, you know, she could know that she was safe with him. I appreciated that, but I felt like the whole, You know, all these people are trapped. Oh my gosh, you know, it's flooding. But he kind of just, it's like somebody walking down the street, right? They can do it on their own, but it's like you holding their hand or holding their arm. They don't really need it. It's a nice thing for you to do, but it's just kind of like, I felt like that had to be tacked on. I feel like he wasn't actually of any real service to them aside of, I suppose, well, okay, he cut down the electrical wire, but for some reason, I felt like the ending wasn't as big as it could have been it's like he fought a couple guys he got blasted with a shotgun and then he sort of just went and saved the people i didn't need a bunch of explosions or anything like that but i felt like it could have flowed together a lot more nicely um but that might be my own problem because i have this habit of predicting where things are going to go in a movie and while this subverted my expectations many times um it just the flow the pacing of the third act felt a little bit a little bit off and sometimes it seemed to bring things, uh, plot devices and themes faster than I would have expected or slower sometimes as well. It is hard to describe. Um, so I'm not really being too much of a critic right now, but it's just something you might feel when you see the movie. So we've said a lot of positive things about it, despite having our gripes about it. Um, and I think this kind of reflects into what I thought of the movie overall. As soon as I saw it, I was like, okay, probably a six. And then I thought about it some more. I was like, okay, six and a half. Now I would place it
1: probably out of seven because yeah, I think it gets better mm-hmm. the more distance you have from it. Mm-hmm. I have to say yes. that I have one more thing to say. Now, the mayor elect, who by the way was the only one in the film who had any sense whatsoever, mm-hmm. she gets shot, but then she was fine at the end. Okay, they do this all I the time confused. in the movies. They do this it all the time. It drives me crazy.
0: They do this all the time in movies. So, um, you know, it's like a fake out thing. They'll get shot, but it's like right through the clavicle or like close to the shoulder. So it misses all their internal organs, but it looks like they're down and out. Obviously, you know, when you've taken a shot, it, you don't know what's going to happen, but they do that all the time in movies as mm-hmm. sort of a little fake out. But I, I knew she wouldn't. Well, they, they
1: shouldn't do that in a film that feels so realistic in spite of the fact that it's a Batman film. Does that make sense? Sure, it, I is, understand it, what you're it, saying. It takes me out of the film then when they do that, I will say, we didn't talk about this either. The, the, the contact lenses so that, that Catwoman was watching was, was in the club. Mm-hmm. And he was able to identify each person mm-hmm. by her looking at them for, you know, a second or two. Pretty cool. Well,
0: that's what I'm saying. I like the James Bond aspect of the gadgetry yeah. here. Yeah, that's yeah. something that I feel like was sorely missing from a lot of the Nolan films um, and was particularly strong here um i definitely liked how it felt like seven at times you know where yeah. the, killer, the killer gives himself up there's some ciphers some clues to be found and you know these are just gruesome it, there's uh, kind of saw-like elements too with yeah. the rat oh, yeah. trap and everything so uh, you know it definitely wore its influences on its sleeve um you know i i felt like some parts of the movie i was like yes this is great and then some parts of the movie, I was just like, okay, it's slowing down a little bit. What are you kind of trying to do here? The pacing feels a little bit off. I felt like after the Riddler got arrested uh, was kind of where it lost me a little bit. Cause it felt so much slower. And I thought it was fine that he decided to flood the city, but I thought that his whole aspiration was, he was saying Gotham is corrupt, I guess at its core, but he was taking down politicians and high level people, the people who were generally had stuff to hide. Right. He yeah. wouldn't know anything about those civilians. Right. I, th- I thought his whole mindset was, I am going to take down the people who look righteous in the eyes of others or to themselves, but actually have a lot of dirt, therefore not punishing the people who suffer from those. Right. You know yeah. what I'm saying? So yeah. he seemed but like then he
1: but then he punishes everyone.
0: Right. So he kind of came off as a working class hero, you know, more or less with his own, you know, psychotic tendencies, but it seemed like he was going for that more so than, okay, now I'm going to flood the city. Like, why didn't you just, I don't know. Why did you make the narrative about sort of eating the rich and then moving on to killing everybody in Gotham or killing as many civilians uh, as you could in Gotham? That felt a little bit shoehorned in, in my opinion, of course, the stakes had to be high at some point in time. But that's why I felt like the film kind of took a little bit of a tonal adjustment that I wasn't all the way um, wasn't all the way on board with. But um, yeah, I mean, overall, you can't say this is a bad film, a terrible film or a poorly made film, because there's a lot of effort here. And sometimes I did feel like it was trying too hard to be really good, you know, like kind of like a almost like a wink it's like look how gritty and edgy we are but on the other hand it did not feel like it's runtime in my opinion there was some very thoughtful filmmaking i thought the cast was excellent for the most part and i really appreciated the detective oriented nature of it the coolest thing about this is that it's 100 batman but it is entirely new it's a great take um change of perspective sort of a different direction for the franchise. And I appreciate what was done here. I definitely appreciate it. I'm not upset that I saw the film, but I do feel like I was more disappointed by how excited I was in the beginning of it versus what I got at the end. it seems like you feel like the
1: opposite. Yeah, I would say the performances were very strong. Uh, I think what you said about this being a new version of Batman Mm -hmm. is 100% spot on. I do think it was a meritorious film, a, a really strong piece of filmmaking. But and did it feel like it's it's runtime? Well, I mentioned that the first hour was painful for me. I would say the second and third hour were stronger. I did look at my watch many a time, and mm-hmm. when Riddler, uh, you know, was sort of incarcerated, I thought, oh, okay, well we're we're making tracks here. But then mm-hmm. I realized that it was nowhere. It was like ten after two, and mm-hmm. this thing didn't end until three. So. Um, yeah, I I think that there's a lot of good here, but I'm going to go back to where I started. There are a lot of good parts, but the sum um, of the parts is weaker than, um, you know, than the Be parts. Greater, it's
0: greater than the sum of, of some of its parts, is what you're saying?
1: No, I'm saying it's not as great as well. Oh. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. I'm yeah. saying the parts are better. <laughs> I always get confused. The parts are better than the sum. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. So, how many Z's would you give it? Z?
0: Um, on a scale of one to five, one I would. Five Z's. I want to say three. That's about a seven, right? Yeah. Somewhere between that.
1: Yep, I'm gonna say today. I'll give it a. I'll give it three Z's as well. Um, yesterday I probably would have given it two to two and a half. But again, I think this is a film that requires a little bit of reflection. I think most, for me, most films do, um, especially films like this uh i can't believe i'm going to say this but when it comes to hbo max i would probably be interested in watching it again i would probably chop it up into like 15 different time viewing settings because you know i i can't watch a movie for longer than 20 minutes at a time but that said it's um it is a worthy piece of filmmaking that I believe one should see, even if you don't have any interest in Batman, and I have very little interest in Batman. I didn't even see the Nolan trilogy; not one of them. Well, you'll tell me that I did, but I fell asleep, right?
0: Uh, well, we watched The Dark Knight uh, together once or twice, and I think you fell asleep. But the Nolan films are very strong. I like all of them. Um, That's
1: what my friend Chris said. He was just like, "What? You didn't see those?" I'm like, "I know." It's for as for for the cinephile that I am, it is. Remarkable, which films I haven't seen.
0: Yeah, I mean, once again, once you see a classic, there's always another one around the corner, right? There's right, one right, that right. you should be seeing, but you haven't, but you only have so much time in a day. So, yeah. yeah. All right, cool. Well, that is our sort of thoughts on the Batman, our review. To but it's the on.
1: definitive 40 minute review of the Batman.
0: <laughs> True. I don't think I'd watch it again um, anytime soon, at least, though. But it has given me a lot to think about uh, within the past few days or so.
1: So, I'll give it that.
0: All right. So.
1: Before we go, Noah, before we go on to check it out, hmm? it, is my review what you expected?
0: I thought you would like it less, to be honest. Um, and
1: I thought you liked it more. No, really? Yeah. No. yeah. I thought you loved it. I thought you were going to say this is an incredible piece of filmmaking.
0: I mean, there's definitely things I very much admire can very much appreciate, but I think it's because I thought some parts were so good and so intentionally uh, made that it dragged some other parts down for me. So I think ultimately it was just sort of that frustrating uh, back and forth that made it not become that movie that I think I was thinking it might be after the first 40 minutes, but I think we've discussed that enough. A decent, (laughs) decent film, not as not the hype that was given to it but certainly a step forward for dc while um you know having its own flaws and i would say better
1: than most of the trailers okay moving on
0: (laughs) (laughs) true all right what do you got for our check it out section
1: all right big surprise you got a tv show what you got and this one is called ghosts so ghost is uh, one of those uh cbs sitcoms yes cbs has more than than um procedural dramas and this was an adaptation of a British sitcom and the premise is that these this young couple buys this estate if you will and of course the people it's haunted by ghosts and only she the the wife can see the ghosts uh and there there are different stereotypes and and it's very very funny so between this and abbott elementary i have found two new situation comedies that i am really enjoying and they are laugh out loud funny i would say abbott elementary is probably a little funnier or laugh out loud funnier um but ghosts on cbs which is on hulu or no paramount plus uh, is definitely worth checking out if you want a fresh take on on situation comedy
0: great yeah um, so i have a movie recommendation i'm not sure if i Recommended this in the past. I don't think I did. But um, I recently re-watched a movie. It's a documentary. Um, it's from Peter Jackson, uh, director of the Lord of the Rings franchise and uh, the Hobbit movies and King Kong, bunch of big budget films. But this is a decidedly smaller budget, it's actually uh historical, it is uh nonfiction, uh, and it's about the British perspective from and told entirely from the soldiers of World War One, uh, about uh, basically you know what happened over the course of um the years of world war one and the british's involvement and it takes you from everywhere from the beginning and how people felt their perceptions of it to how they felt during training and then during combat and then to after the war it is an amazing film it's called they shall not grow old it's one of my favorites of all time Um, and it's told entirely through the perspective of veterans and All of those people, of course, are not with us anymore, but it takes over 100 hours of never before seen archival footage, all real, and puts it, restores it in perfect color. It is an incredible technical achievement, amazing masterpiece of a movie that really shows you how light things can be when war is not immediately on your doorstep and how intense things can be once you're actually in it and what you don't realize as a civilian and how lucky you are to be living in a time of relative peace. So I thought it was an incredible film. I loved it back in 2018 when Griffin and I saw it and, uh, or maybe 2019. And I love it now. Um, I watched it again with my roommate and uh, we both agreed that it's just a sensational movie. So what
1: what streaming service is it on? um, So I think you
0: can only rent it uh, right now. So anywhere from Amazon Prime to HBO Max to wherever you like renting movies the most. Um, it's a great, it's a great, great movie. It's called They Shall Not Grow Old.
1: I remember remember hearing of it, but I haven't seen it, so. Yeah, well, well worth the watch.
0: Yeah, I'm not, you know me, I'm not really much of a nonfiction, uh, historical, uh, you know, biographical type of person, but this one right. truly grabbed me. Great, great film.
1: Good. All right.
0: Cool. Well, um, that concludes it for this week's episode. Thank you so much for listening. We will have more content on the way and I will promote this contrary to popular belief. I'm going to put all of our, all of our content, uh, sort of in a slide post so that people can, uh, see what we've got coming up and what they can listen to from our library since they haven't been reminded but yeah, um, I'm excited to uh, hear y'all's thoughts as well, whether you know us or maybe you can comment on Instagram, you know, throw virtual tomatoes at us because you love the Batman uh, way more than we did. But um, overall, uh, thank you once again for listening. I'm Noah. And I'm Greg. And this is Easy Talk.